Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest for this episode is University of Minnesota Associate Professor Paolo Pagliari, who works out of the Research and Outreach Center in Lamberton. And I do a lot of work with nutrient management for um, grain crops and also vegetable crops, working both in organic and conventional uh, cropping systems. And as of lately, for the last few years, I have been doing a lot of work with uh, the use of uh, biological agents to help improve uh, crop performance, especially uh, those microbes that are called uh, plant growth promoting uh, bacteria. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a nitrogen-fixing bacteria that you've been working on related to corn and, and I believe wheat production as well. Let's start sort of at the beginning uh, of this research and how it's unfolded so far. Yes, that's a really good question. Um, so I have I started working with the bacteria from a collaboration with some colleagues down in Brazil. Uh, my first contact with the, the nitrogen-fixing bacteria, which is called the Zosporilum brasilensi, uh, was from co- researchers in Brazil that were have been doing this work for quite a few years, and they were finding some really good um, results. And then they reached out for a collaboration, uh, and I had a student that came up during his PhD work to my lab to do some of the work up here in the States. Um, and then at that point, I started to learn a little bit more about this technology and how it works. Uh, and the, re- the, the way that this bacteria works, it's, it's a free-living bacteria that is present in almost every soil on the planet. And the way that the bacteria fixes nitrogen, it, it pulls nitrogen gas from the atmosphere. And then since it lives in the rhizosphere of the plant, it can uh, fix the nitrogen within its cells and then it excrements the the waste. And that is usually in the form of either ammonium or nitrate. And then the plants can use that because it's right on the rhizosphere. And one of the, the interesting points is that the plant doesn't really have to worry about feeding the bacteria like it is the case when you have a symbiotic uh, relationship like the rhizobium and the soybean where the soybean has to provide a carbon source for the microbe, for the bacteria that is in the nodule. In the case of the zosporilum, since it's a free-living bacteria, it will find its carbon source out in the rhizosphere. It could be a plant exudate, and it could also be from other uh, sources that are present in the uh, soil organic matter. So it's it's uh, uh, a little bit of a different relationship as compared to the, the usual um, nodulating bacteria that we see in legumes. And then after doing some work with this, the team in Brazil, we found that in in corn and, and also wheat and some other grass crops, there was a potential for a reduction of as much as 25% of the total nitrogen requirement of those grain crops. Um, so I thought that was a very interesting uh, work and there, there hadn't really been any um, work similar to that done in the States. So I initially I reached out to the wheat growers um, 
to see if they had interest in this type of research, and they were able to fund uh, a research to do similar work with wheat. And then after the first year of that study, we found some really positive responses, uh, similar to, to what we were seeing in Brazil. And we found that as much as a 15% increase in wheat, wheat yield was observed with the use of this technology. So with the positive responses, we reached out to the corn growers last year and asked them if they were interested in financing something similar for corn. And very luckily, they were very interested and they funded the research as well for uh, corn that we did last year during the, the growing season. Now, unfortunately, the last two years, the, the 2021 season and 2022 season have been very dry. We have got about a half of the total precipitation that we usually get in Minnesota during the growing season. Um, I believe that 2021, we were at about uh, 12 inches of rain, 12 to 14 inches of rain at Lamberton. And in 2022, I believe it was just a little over 10 inches of rain. So it has been really dry years. Uh, and our um, crop response to nitrogen was very limited. For example, for our corn trial that was funded by the corn growers, the Minnesota corn growers, um, the way we do these studies is we have nitrogen rates, and then we have inoculation plots and plots that were not inoculated at the same nitrogen rate. So we can see if there is really a potential reduction in the amount of nitrogen that is needed. In 2022, uh, we had rates of 0, 0,50, 100, 150, and 200 pounds of nitrogen per acre, both with and without inoculation. And what we saw is that because of the limited rain, we only saw a response up to 100 pounds of nitrogen for where there was no inoculation. The rates of 150 and 200 pounds all had very similar yields as the 100 pounds, which means that the water really limited the total amount of grain yield that that crop had potential to achieve. Now, what we found that was very interesting is that when we inoculated the plots, uh, the rate of 50 pounds of nitrogen had 14 bushels more, or about a 10% yield increase, uh, than the plots that were not inoculated. And when we did the, the regression analysis, we saw that the plots that were inoculated, the yield was already maximized at 50 pounds of N, whereas where we did not add the inoculation, we did need that 100 pounds of N to get the maximum yield. So it's, you know, it's not really fair to say that we found a 50% uh, reduction in the amount of nitrogen needed. That's what happened, but it's because of the, the rainfall was very limited. Uh, what I would like to see is it's probably be, would be about the 40 to 50 pounds of end reduction had this been a regular season. So that, that kind of shows the potential for this type of technology that even though it was a drier year than, than most typically is, we still saw some really good positive responses to this uh, technology being used. And hopefully 2023 will be a more of a regular year with the adequate moisture, adequate rainfall, uh, which will allow us to better understand the potential for this technology use um, in the U.S. The, the technology that we are using 
I have a, a license, a permit from USDA to import this bacteria from Brazil to the US to test here in Lamberton. Um, so we are using everything, that the, all the bacteria is from Brazil. So we are, we are not using any bacteria from the United States yet, but we are starting some work to try to isolate bacteria from Minnesota soils, which would be more adapted to our region. And then we will see if that even uh, is proven to be even more effective than the bacteria from Brazil that we are seeing. Well, Paulo, as, as questions sort of emerged in my head as you were talking, you, you kept answering them. That was great. You made it really easy for me. Uh, and like you talked about, a lot of potential. It would be interesting to see over multiple years when weather conditions might be different than the, the dry 2022 that Minnesota experienced, what the results would look like. I guess one question I do have that I, I don't know if you answered it or not, but as far as you know, the application of this bacteria, would it be the same or similar to how you would use other biologicals in crop production? It is, yes. Right now, the way it works, it's a liquid product, uh, and we apply directly to the seed right before planting. Um, and, and I believe that's very similar to uh, soybean inoculation with beta rhizobium and other beans inoculations and other legumes. Though there are a couple of other different alternatives. There's also a dry formulation that you have to make a solution with the powder uh, and then use that solution to inoculate the seeds as you plant. Now, those are the, the two seed treatment that would be available. There's also the possibility of uh, spraying the bacteria um, to the soil after the plant emerged, so you would not inoculate the seed, you would plant the seed as usual. And then once that crop emerges, about two weeks after emergence, uh, you can also go and you spray the bacteria right on the line, uh, right on the row, to, to try to maximize the bacteria contact with the soil. Now, I have not done any of that work in the United States. Most of that work has been done in Brazil, uh, and they also, we also did some foliar application in Brazil. And what we found was that the seed inoculation seems to be the best because you maximize the, the amount of bacteria that can reach the rhizosphere of that plant once it starts to grow. And that really helps the bacteria to canalize the rhizosphere well and provide the highest amount of nitrogen. When we sprayed on the surface of the soil, we still saw better results than a foliar application, but was not as good as when we had um, that, that seed inoculation. So I think that after we do this study for a couple more years and we have our own strain to test, then I think we will have to do some of that work in the U.S. too to see what is the most effective technology to use this um, the most effective uh, application method to use this technology, I should say. I do want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about the project, but anything else about the project, Paulo, that we haven't talked about yet that you think we need to cover? You know, Mark, right now, this is the first uh, mention that I, that I do about this particular project, so I, I would say the listeners have to listen to the podcast to get a lot of the information. Um, and we should be, I will see if we're going to do a, a field day uh, this year or not about this um, this particular project. 
But we have field days throughout the year at Lamberton. And every field day that there's opportunity, I do have, we do have field tours and we do stop at those trials and I do talk to the people that attend those workshops uh, about the research. Um, so if anybody is more interested, I do ask that you keep an eye on our website at Southwest uh, Research and Outreach Center with the University of Minnesota to see what field days are coming up. And then you can uh, sign up and come out and talk to us during that field day. You can also learn more about the research project by visiting mncorn.org.